Numbers chapter 23, verse 1. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven bullocks and seven rams. This is the part where God has allowed Balaam to go and give a word to Balak, the king of the Moabites. And so Balaam wants an offering to go up to God first. And this is real typical. We've already seen this many times in the Old Testament. Whenever they want an answer from God, they always give him an offering first. That means it's okay to give God an offering if you're asking him a question. All the patriarchs did it. If you want to make a big donation to the Lord in some way and ask him your question, that's very appropriate. Two, and Balak did as Balaam had spoken. And Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram, one bull calf and one ram on all seven altars. Three, and Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by thy burnt offering, and I will go. Peradventure the Lord will come to meet me, and whatsoever he showeth me, I will tell thee. And he went to a bare height. The bullock is the king's burnt offering, and the ram is Balaam's burnt offering. 4. And God met Balaam, and he said unto him, I have prepared the seven altars, and I have offered up a bullock and a ram on every altar. Balaam is telling God that he's ready to hear him. And notice how God meets Balaam separately. This is the same thing he does with Moses a lot of times. God will often give prophets a word privately, then the prophet goes and shares it with other people. And the Lord spoke a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return unto Balak, and thus thou shalt speak. He told him what to say. 6. And he returned unto him, and lo, he stood by his burnt offering, he and all the princes of Moab. Balak obeyed what Balaam told him to do. He remained by his burnt offering. 7. And he took up his parable, and said, From Aram Balak bringeth me, the king of Moab from the mountains of the east. Come, curse me, Jacob, and come, execrate Israel. Execrate is when you hate somebody. God is saying that King Balak came to me into this mountain region and told me to curse Israel and to hate Israel. 8. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed, and how shall I execrate whom the Lord hath not execrated? 9. For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, it is a people that shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. In this prophecy, God is saying that Israel will be singular among the nations. It'll have its own singular identity. It won't be mingled. In America, we have different kinds of nationalities and races mixed up under one constitution, but it's definitely a mix of beliefs, religions, and everything else. If you go to any country, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see one law, one constitution, one government. But under that is going to be a whole bunch of mixed up people that have all kinds of different opinions, beliefs, religions, backgrounds, and all that stuff. But what God is saying is Israel won't have influence from other nations within it. It will only have the law and the beliefs and the practices that God gives it. Israel throughout history within itself has always been very singular. 10. Who hath counted the dust of Jacob, or numbered the stock of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let mine end be like his. There's going to be no end to all the people that multiply out of Israel. And that's certainly true today. They're in every nation. 11. And Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast blessed them altogether. Balaam finished his prophecy, and now Balak is saying, I told you to curse him. See, Balaam doesn't get it. He has no faith at all. He believes in magic. The way magic works is you tell the witch what to do, you pay the witch to do it, and then the witch does it. 
But prophecy doesn't work that way. You don't tell a prophet what to do because the prophet can't tell God what to do. God tells the prophet what to do, and then the prophet tells you what God told him. Miracles are from the top down, from God to us. But magic is simply tricks, and you can pay for it. Balaam, he's still equating God with magic. 12, and he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord putteth in my mouth? 13, and Balak said unto him, Come, I pray thee, with me unto another place from whence thou mayest see them. Thou shalt see but the utmost part of them, and shalt not see them at all, and curse me them from thence. King Balak is going to take Balaam to another location that he thinks might be better for cursing. This is so ridiculous. He's going to take him to a place, it's a mountain, where he can see all the Israelites, but they'll be so far away that he can't really see them as individuals, just as a group. 14. And he took him into the field of Zophim, to the top of Pisgah, and built seven altars, and offered up a bullock and a ram on every altar. Zophim means a place where you can have a watchtower, or a place where you can have watchers. This is a great place for a king to send watchers to see if any forces are coming against the kingdom. This place means watcher, but you know, a prophet is a type of watcher. The Bible actually calls prophets watchers. It also calls angels watchers, because they watch what the people are doing, and they tell the people to repent. And that's the whole point, is when they see you sinning, they tell you to repent. That's a prophet's number one job, is to tell people to repent. That's another way that you know that a lot of the prophets today aren't prophets, because they never even talk about repentance. And in the Bible, the first thing prophets always talk about is repentance. So they're going up to another mountain called Place of the Watchers. 15. And he said unto Balak, Stand here by thy burnt offering while I go toward a meeting yonder. He's going to again go meet God in a different place. 16. And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Return unto Balak, and thus shalt thou speak. The fact that he keeps saying, Stand by your burnt offering, to me shows that the bullock is for the king and the ram is a burnt offering for Balaam. Because Balaam would need an offering too in order to get the word from the Lord. And the bigger offering would be the one from a king. Because it's not only on behalf of the king, but on behalf of his people as well. 17. And he came to him, and lo, he stood by his burnt offering, and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, What hath the Lord spoken? 18. And he took up his parable and said, Arise, Balak, and hear, give ear unto me, thou son of Zippor. 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. When he hath said, will he not do? Or when he hath spoken, will he not make it good? God is telling Balak, I'm not going to change my mind. What I said is what I said. Israel is blessed. 20. Behold, I am bidden to bless, and when he hath blessed, I cannot call it back. 21. None hath beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath one seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with them, and the shouting for the king is among them. Now, this king is capitalized, so this is a reference to Jesus Christ. Because what other king could it be talking about? Certainly not talking about Balak. Israel isn't going to shout for glory over Balak. They're definitely going to shout over their own king, but they don't have a king except Jesus Christ, who is to come. It says here that there's no perversity in Israel, and we know Israel has sinned a lot. In a literal sense, there is a lot of perversity in Israel, but God isn't lying. The thing that separates Israel from the other nations at this point is that Israel gets forgiven, 
and the other nations don't. The other nations don't ask God for forgiveness. They don't offer sacrifices. So even though Israel has sinned many times, they've always been forgiven, which makes them have a clean slate after every forgiveness. So at this point, God isn't lying. They have a clean slate. Now you and I aren't supposed to live that way. That's the old covenant where you sin and then you get forgiven. You sin and then you get forgiven. In the new covenant, under the blood of Jesus Christ, we live the born again life so we don't go back to that old lifestyle. If we can't get out of the lifestyle of sin and we're in a cycle of sin, repent, sin, repent, that means we're living in the old covenant, which is against God's law right now. Our Messiah has come. There's no reason to keep living that way. Jesus said you will not enter the kingdom unless you are born again, because he wants us free from the cycle of sin. We can still sin, we can still fall, but we aren't in that old lifestyle anymore, compelled to sin and trapped in it anymore. 22. God who brought them forth out of Egypt is for them like the lofty horns of the wild ox. Horns always represent strength. That's why the altar has horns, one on every corner of it. 23. For there is no enchantment with Jacob, neither is there any divination with Israel. How is it said of Jacob and of Israel, what hath God wrought? This is true prophecy. It's not divination. It's not witchcraft. It's not fortune telling. You see, there's really no power in witchcraft. Witches think there's power, but that's because they have to sell their product. So they'll tell you it's powerful because they want you to pay them to perform it. They're always going to tell you that they have power. That's witchcraft as an industry. God performs miracles and miracles are real. Witchcraft makes you think something happened when it didn't, just like watching the movies. You know, special effects is special effects. 24. Behold the people that riseth up as a lioness, and as a lion doth he lift himself up. He shall not lie down until he eat the prey and drink the blood of the slain. A lion and a lioness are really good hunters, and they don't stop the hunt until they actually kill something. God is saying, when Israel goes out to fight, Israel will win. It won't retreat. Now that's only as long as Israel is obeying the Lord. There will be some battles that they lose, but it's always when they're in sin. Until he eat the prey and drink the blood of the slain. 25. And Balak said unto Balaam, Neither curse them at all, nor bless them at all. King Balak is so desperate, he's going, Well, don't say anything about the Israelites. If you can't say anything bad, don't say anything at all. 26. But Balaam answered and said unto Balak, Told not I thee, saying, All that the Lord speaketh, that I must do? Balaam is saying, I have to say what he tells me. I, I can't go against it, or else I can't prophesy at all. 27. And Balak said unto Balaam, Come now, I will take thee unto another place. Peradventure it will please God that thou mayest curse me them from thence. Balaam thinks that he can change God, and you can't change God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Balaam wants to try a, a third location. Now, doesn't this remind you of when Satan tempted Jesus? Satan tempted Jesus three times in the wilderness, and every time Jesus resisted him. And on two of those times, Satan took Jesus to a high place. I think there's a connection here. 28. And Balak took Balaam unto the top of Peor that looketh down upon the desert. Peor means opening. Because this is a place on the mountain that has kind of a clearance or an opening area that you can see down in the valley really well. There's no rocks in your way or anything. You can just see straight down into the valley. So it's called opening. 29. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven bullocks and seven rams. The perfect number seven. And again, they have all the bullocks and all the rams for the burnt offerings. 30. And Balak did as Balaam had said, and offered up a bullock and a ram on every altar. 
that is where we end in Numbers chapter 23. Now in the next chapter, we're going to learn what God said the third time that Balak asked him to speak.